Father, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. All right, can we take our declaration of understanding as we usually do, and then we'll take our seats. All right, I want to let's go. And revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. And the word of God is going to come to you again this evening. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. The place of our help is what we have been looking at in our school of prayer for some time. And we are going to continue looking at that today. And what we have been trying to emphasize is the fact that There are two places where you find help as a believer. And what are those two places? Give them to me, please. Number one. Number one. Number two. The promises of God. Thank you. Those are the two. Number one, the name of the Lord. And number two, the promises of God. I want to remind us again that the word becomes flesh. What did I say? Anything that God says to you one day. If you hold on to it, it will become manifested in your life. That's what we mean when we say the word becomes flesh. Never forget that. And I just remember the story of um, uh, Jackimise again. Jackimise was a woman. The husband's name is Terry. Terry wanted to marry Jackie. And Jackie warned him ahead that she was not willing to marry because she didn't like him, but because she felt that she couldldn't bear children. And Terry, he said, how do you know? He said, doctor says so. <laughs> Terry just laughed. I said, Doc, the doctors don't know anything. That is God that knows what he's saying. And based upon that, they got married and he prophesied children into her life. The promises of God, they become what? Flesh. They become flesh. The word becomes flesh. This earth was made out of the word of God. It was made by the word. Anything that God wants to do, he utters it. That's how he utters it. All right? It says, light be. And what happened? Light came into existence. And the Lord saw that the light was good. What does that mean? It fitted exactly what he had in his mind. I hope you're getting my point. Everything he wanted, what did he do? He spoke. You know, we will go, we do research, we, we, we buy machines and everything. What God uses is the uttered word. So that's why we can put our hope in his promises. So when we say that uh, all all God's provisions are in two places, in his name and in his promises, it's true. It's not just Christian wish. Anything God says eventually comes to pass. Bear it in mind. Anything that the Lord utters eventually comes to pass. What you need to do is to focus on that word. The word always becomes flesh. Now, what I want to emphasize to us today before we begin to declare the word of God again is the habit of faith. The habit of faith. The fact that faith must be a habit. The fact that faith must be a habit. Jesus says again and again, he used to say, be it unto you, how? 
according to your faith. Now I want to remind us of what that means again. It didn't say, be it unto you according to your desire. There's a difference between your desire and your faith. There is a difference between your desire and your faith. Faith is a method of reasoning. Faith is the way you reason. Faith is how you think. Faith is how you connect with things. Faith is a, let me, how do I say this now? You know, in life, let me give an example. If, um, okay, somebody comes in, let's say, a, I'm trying to find a very quick example of how one say the way the mind works. Okay, let me give an example. If you now we live in a very peaceful environment and God has blessed us with that, if you heard some rumbling and all of that, what comes to your mind first of all is what? It's likely to rain. It's thunder. Do you get my point? Distant. But those who are in a war zone, when they hear it, they see somewhere a place is being bombed. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, that's how they react. A place is being bombed. Now, how you interpret things in life actually matters. Of course, you will know that. Now, faith is a way of interpreting things. He said, by faith we do what? We understand. No, without faith, you, there's a kind of way you will understand things. Faith helps you to understand things the way God wants you to understand. You know, I remember the story I used uh, to illustrate that many years ago in Lagos, there was an accident in uh, the Ikeja cantonment of the military of the Nigeria Army, and their bombs began to explode. Before that time, people had, all kinds of rumors had been going around that South Africa wanted to invade Nigeria. I don't know whether people remember that. So when the bombs began to explode, people began to run, and a lot of people died. And the bomb was not even near them at all. All that died, died in Ejibo. Now, if you know Lagos, that's quite some distance from Ikeja. The cantonment is somewhere near Maryland. Many kilometers away, those closer, nobody died. Maybe somebody died in the barracks there. Maybe, I can't remember. But everybody is hearing the noise. They did not see anything. But they interpreted the explosion as we are in trouble. And they began to run. As they were running, they were running into the swamp and they were drowning. They didn't know, they just see, you know, um, you know, grass, what looks like grass, they run. They were drowning. I think between 20 and 30 people, if not more, died. They were not shot at, they just heard rumors. They just heard rumors, and they died. Now, when God wants to evacuate people from a land, sometimes it makes them hear rumors. One of the ways that Israel didn't have to fight in the promised land, some of the people heard rumors. They just heard that, ah, this, that they just run away. That is, they, they, nothing has happened, they just run. Many people, when you hear, see decisions, you hear decisions that Christians, I don't, you know, when you are not a believer, I don't have a problem. But even believers, they make some decisions sometimes, you wonder. It's because of things they have heard. Now, it's not what they heard as the issue. It's how they interpreted what they heard. I hope you're getting my point. How they interpreted what they heard. You hear a man and his, uh, and his wife, packed, and you, when he says, these people, you know, maybe you know that you know how successful they are materially, where they are. Then they pack and they become a refugee in another country. You don't ask them why. The way this country is going. So what do you mean the country is going? The place you are, you are going to. Do you know where it is going? So they hear rumors. You know, based on what they hear, they interpret. And once they interpret, all right, they take actions. And that's why faith is very important. So Jesus will say to you, now when you see these things. You look up, straighten your shoulders, look up. Why? Your redemption draws near. That is, your own way of interpreting the appearance of troubles is what? My redemption is closed. God is going to deliver me. I hope you are getting my point. That's what faith is. 
Faith is when your mindset, Paul talked about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Faith is when you interpret everything according to what God says. That's what faith means. All right? Now, when we're talking about the place of your help, I want to emphasize today again and that faith is what makes the word of God become flesh. All right? That anything that God says eventually will become manifested in our environment. Now, I want us to read something today. Like I said, what I want to talk about is faith as a habit. And just to remind us about the fact that when Jesus said, have faith in God, let's just start with that. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Now, what did he say there? Um, we start from verse, um, from verse 20. He says, okay, uh, do I need to back up? Now, you remember that um, before that, he has spoken a word about a tree, all right? Let's just go to verse uh, what? I mentioned it just now. Verse 20, yes. So as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree wither from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered, saying to them, have faith in God. Now that's what I want, but let me just read the rest just to get a bit of more of context. He said, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Let me stop in that particular verse. Now, if you have the Amplified Bible, it says that uh, verse 22 like this. Let me just flip over to the Amplified. It says verse 22, and Jesus replying said, said to them, have faith in God constantly. Have faith in God constantly. Now, what I want to bring out is the word constantly again to remind us. Why was it that the words of the Lord Jesus Christ were so powerful? It was simply because he had faith in God constantly. The problem we have as believers is that we don't have faith in God constantly. What am I going to say? We want to believe God only when we have trouble. I hope you're getting my point. Now, the God you will believe in the time of trouble is a God you have believed in in the time of peace. I hope you're getting my point. It's very important you bear that in mind. You know, this is how God, God has given us, you know, God allows us to practice. Do you hear what I said? Let me talk about that briefly. God allows us to practice. And that's what we are teaching about prayer. One of the things about prayer is the time you practice. Practice how your life is going to be. What do I mean by practice? One of the hardest things God ever told anybody to do in the Bible was Abraham being asked to do what? Sacrifice who? Isaac. And he was supposed to burn him up. He was supposed to offer him to God as a burnt offering. Please, I want you to bear that in mind. He was supposed to offer Isaac to God as a burnt offering. One day I read through my scriptures, I found out that God is very kind. He allowed him to practice. He allowed him to practice. Abraham was used to making sacrifices for God on small, small things. If I'm using that expression. For example, the first sacrifice was leave your father's house. Do you understand? He didn't fully leave. He left this place, but didn't leave his relatives. He went with his father and his nephew. Remember that. Now, so he obeyed a bit. God said, no problem. We are practicing. His father died somewhere along the line. Then he continued to go. We are practicing. Then one day, he had to let Lot go. And when he was letting Lot go, 
he allowed his potentials for prosperity go with Lot. So he said to Lot, look, your headsmen and my headsmen shouldn't be quarreling. Now choose anyone you like. And Lot had the first choice when Abraham should have had by reason of age or seniority. Lot had the first one. Now we're not going to stay much on that, but for us to emphasize the fact that God, Abraham did what? He let something go. He let his right go. Then God increased that one day to letting a human being go. So one day he had a son called Ishmael. And then God told him that you know, when Sarah came after Isaac had been born, Sarah came and said, look, this young man cannot be here with my son. So he said, all right, you must let him go. But Isaac, um, Abraham was not happy about it. Then God came to Abraham and said, listen to what your wife has said. Then he allowed Hagar and Ishmael to go, and he gave them just very little provision. Go with this. Now, you may not realize it, that was a death sentence. But he didn't have to kill the boy himself, and he was not the son of what? Promise. That was easier than the next assignment. So if you see, all his life he had been practicing obedience to God at the loss of something. He had been practicing it, and that's what God does. He allows you to practice. He had practiced that, he had, that he lived in his father's house, he had practiced letting Lot go, having the first you know, choice in the potential for prosperity. He had practiced allowing his son to die on him. And risking his son dying, but allowing the boy to go on the promise of God. That God said, don't worry, he's going to be great. Don't worry about it. He gave him next to nothing and allowed him to go into the wilderness. He knew that would not suffice. He knew. Just a skin of um, water. He knew it wouldn't be enough. And remember the story that it actually wasn't enough. The woman thought the boy was going to die until God showed him, uh, showed her a well. Now, Abraham was practicing. That's the point I'm making. He didn't know he was practicing. Do you follow my point? God was just giving you the opportunities to practice. Please bear this in mind. Then finally, the real one now came. The real one now came. And what was that real one? Go and sacrifice Isaac. So God allowed him to remember. You left your father's house. Look at how I, pray, I blessed you. You know, you allowed Lot to go. Look at how you have been blessed. You allowed Ishmael to go. And Ishmael did not die. Instead, he became great. And all of this was because I said something. Now, this is what I'm saying now. Sacrifice Isaac. The man looked at all of those things and said, God's word has never failed. It will start failing now just because it looks difficult. And with God, nothing shall be impossible. Everything is possible with God. There's nothing that is too hard for him. Now, what I'm going to say, he practiced. He had his practice. One reason we fail is that when we are given the opportunity to practice, we don't. Let me remind us of how grace works again. When God said, um, when um, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, bow to my golden image, otherwise I will kill you. Now, this is the truth. Grace was conferred upon them so that they could resist. It was not by their energy. It was by what? By what? The grace of God. It was by what? The grace of God. So they couldn't have taken credit for that. It was God that gave them the energy to resist that temptation. But why did God give the energy to one and did not give to another? That's the point I'm making. It's simply because there was a time they were given the opportunity to do what? To practice. Now, the king is not in front of you. It's not your life that's at risk. It's the life of the man supervising you. So they say, okay, eat food that's forbidden according to your faith. They practiced in that they did not eat it. Now, they could discuss. 
somebody was covering them. They had time to practice. The man said, okay, give us, they told the man, give us 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, the man came and said, oh, what you guys said is correct. All right? And then the man left them. Now, they made a right choice in the time of just what you will eat and what you will not eat. When it now became the time to bow down to an idol, God now gave them the grace to stand. Please never forget that. So don't joke with little things like, will I obey traffic light? Will I count change complete for somebody? Do you get my point? Somebody gave me money. Will I account for him fully? Small, small things like that. Don't joke. Because the time is going to come when the trial and temptation will appear greater than you. At that time, God will supply grace. However, if you have failed in the small, small things all this while, don't worry. <laughs> Just bow. <laughs> Do you get my point? The only way you will not bow is that you say, okay, I want to atone for all my former sins. And then maybe they will not throw you into the fire and you'll be burnt. And you really will be burnt. <laughs> Please, I hope you are getting my point here. All right? So the, the emphasis is that God gives us what? The opportunity to practice our faith. He does in little things. In little things. People want to believe God. That's why I tell people, listen. If you are seriously sick, hmm? that's when we want to start believing God. I'm not with you. I don't know whether you are getting my point. Ordinary headache, you panic from now to tomorrow. Your neck was paining you. You saw 10 doctors to cure a neck. A neck strip sprain, which happens to all of us when we don't sleep properly. Sometimes in my sleep, I think about my life. I don't know about you. <laughs> the daddy I slept out, was it not yesterday? Yes, slept in the room. I was reading something. There's a couch in my bedroom. I was reading. My leg was on top of a chair. I was reclining. Then I fell asleep. In my sleep, I realized that my neck was not balanced. <laughs> I don't, don't ask me how I know. But inside that sleep, I said, oh boy, this neck is not balanced. Though. It will begin paying you. If I don't begin paying me small, small. Now I wake up. Go arrange pillow properly. I went to the bed and I laid down to cure neck pain. Now, you had neck pain. You went and saw eight doctors. Because then tomorrow they say you have cancer. They say, yeah, I have faith. I better go and take your treatment. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That's the way I see it. You can't start practicing faith with dangerous things. People that have never disobeyed their father and entity, they now want to disobey the man when it comes to marriage. What is wrong with you? When they say you don't go to church, you explain that you have to be wise. Now, when, you now, when it's marriage time now, you, you now fell in love. Better rise up from where you fell, my guy. This is not going to work. I hope you are getting my point. Everybody now gathered against you. You say no. The Bible, the Bible didn't say anything. Stop lying. The things that the Bible said, you couldn't obey on small things. Like, which church will you go to? You could not say, look, this is, I said, in this family, we're all Anglicans, or we're all Catholics. Meanwhile, where you wanted to go is a Pentecostal church. You could not stand against them. That's how many people have problems. Because you have never stood for anything. Then finally now, you're not in love. And people who are in love, they're not thinking. Whether you're a man of God or not, it's not the issue. So don't think I'm criticizing you. It's just life. Many people, that's when they now want to make a decision, critical decision. They want to disagree with everybody. God spoke to me. God, I could not speak to you to go to correct church. The family could pressure you. So I say to people, please, eh? I'm not saying you are wrong, but wait first. Don't get into that fight. Postpone this fight for six months while you go to build your faith. Because right now you're not thinking straight. It is not everybody that's taking an action that looks is like it's a faith, that's walking by faith. Do you get my point? The way faith pushes people, so love can also push people. Romeo and Juliet. Do you get what I'm saying? How you want to know whether you are walking by faith is how have you been walking by faith 
up till now. Somebody come and tell you, say, God spoke to me to marry this person. Eh, I have no problem with that. But has he ever told you anything before? No. This is the first time. Sorry, I don't believe you. I'm not saying you are wrong, though. I just don't believe. So if I'm your pastor and I have the right, I will suspend that marriage license for one year. Go and pray again. You will pray and pray. You can't be making major decisions with new spiritual technologies. Haba. You just want to kill Goliath. You, the day bear came, you ran. <laughs> the day lion came, you ran. Then you now see Goliath. Goliath will so behead you. Are you getting my point? I'm telling believers, start killing bear regularly. In fact, before you bear, first kill maybe a, a, a cat, that a wild cat. Small jackal, pursuing you. Carry stone, stick, whack the thing. Good. Then you are getting ready for the beer. Then when you say small beer, don't say, ah, the sheep is not my own. That's how some people can never have faith. They have no respect for the things put in their hands. Because you think, you think David likes trouble. Beer came. <laughs> in our class, they say it's good to kill beer. No. If David was alone, and the bear was attacking an antelope, there would have been no fight. I don't know whether you're getting my point. If he was on his own and bear attacking an antelope, David would have left the hunter and said, what? Look, the antelope is not my father's property. Not my property. It's nobody's property. It's a wild animal. The two, two wild animals are fighting. Why should a normal human be get involved? Why did David start the fight? Because he's my sheep. And he loved the sheep. And he wasn't going to let any devil take the sheep. So he risked his life, just like Jesus Christ. David was a type of Jesus. He risked his life for the sheep. And then God strengthened him to attack the bear, attack the lion. In the same manner, there's a risk to his life. Don't think those people like him, people of faith, just think that nothing will go wrong. I see people trying to preach as if, no. They were so sure nothing will go wrong. No. The risking of your life for something better than yourself, in your opinion, is what faith is. People say, Shadrach, and Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew God would deliver them. Well, they knew God could deliver them, but they were not counting on his deliverance. What they were counting on is that, guy, we are not bowing to this idol. It's better to be a dead saint than a living backslider. No, that's what they were thinking. Better to be a dead saint than a living backslider. No, we will not. Now, what am I trying to emphasize here? God gives us the opportunity regularly to exercise our faith. I just dropped the issue of David briefly to let us know that something stimulated David to risk his life. It's called faith walking by what? Love. The love for his flock. So I'm saying something. In little things you exercise, God gives us the opportunity every day to exercise. If you have not been able to reject 1,000 a bribe, 10,000 inducement. Little things like that. If you have not been able to get to office, they say get there by 8, sign in. You go there at 8.30, you want to really look around, nobody's looking, you want to sign 7, 7.50. If you can't resist that, the day they, are, they make you INEC commissioner, when politicians bring the money, hundreds of millions, you will collect. You will collect. You did not exercise your integrity when there was nothing heavy at stake. After all, there are 30 days in the month. Okay, you have been late twice. You can make up your mind you won't be late the rest of the time. 
One of our sisters here, that's where she got into trouble. One office where she was working. She became, everybody was an enemy. Why? If she comes at, let's say, 8.05, she will write 8.05. You that came at 8.20, how can you not write 7.30 when the person you came before you came at past 8? Wahala. Say, why are you doing holier than thou? I'm not holier than thou. Actually, I am, but let's just leave that one. <laughs> I'm just doing what is right. If I'm not doing holier than thou, I should not become wickeder than thou. Does, are you getting my point? Just leave me as thou as I am. I'm not comparing myself with you. No, those are the things they try to use to pressure you to do what is wrong. Make say, what is it? Self-righteousness. I'm not doing any righteousness. I'm just doing what is right. I hope you're getting my point. What am I saying here? God gives us the opportunities to practice every day. And if you are going to be able to withstand the fairy furnace so that you will not be burnt, please, it will be when this ordinary warm water, you will stand for your faith. God, they won't give you too much. Just give you small grace. Let's see whether you are serious. It was, those guys practice with the matter of food. Please, I, I just wanted to emphasize that. Okay? So, faith is what activates the promises of God and makes them real in our lives. And I'm saying that that faith must be a habit. It's not the day you are in trouble. You suddenly remember that there is God who can deliver. You have to have activated that on a daily basis so that the time of trouble, it will come out of you naturally. That's what I'm emphasizing. So in the time of trouble, it will come out of you naturally to trust in God. So some of these confessions we are going through is one of the ways by which, that is confessing the word of God and declaring it regularly in prayer, is one of the ways by which you practice your faith on a regular basis. For example, practice what you see. You know, we've said this here before. One of the most potent prayers is our conversation. It's a, it's a form of prayer people often overlook. What do I mean by that? When we say in church, let's all gather. You know, nobody, only the most, there are people like that, so we don't want nobody. Only the most stubborn of human beings. They are the ones that will not agree when you say, say after me, Jesus is the healer. They will say it. Everybody will say that. There is a governor amongst the nations. Most people will say it. They are very, I've seen some stubborn human beings. One day I was in church, one woman was in church, she was sitting beside me. As the pastor was preaching, she was getting all excited. Say, so you're talking that there's some women. They are strong like any man. She jumped up. Oh, pastor, preach it, preach it, preach it. I'm serious. That's how she heard the Bible that day. So she was, he was describing how some kind of women might be. It was Women's Day. Says some women before you say one, they have said two. She was on her feet. Oh, my God. She talked, talked, talked. Finally, the pastor now calmed down and said, all right, some women are like, but men and women are actually different. God made us to be different. She was like, she sat down and she said, no, we are the same. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I didn't know anybody could do that. The pastor is preaching and giving you the word of God. She said, no, we are the same. That's how she said it that day. She just got angry. How can you tell me that men are different from women? We are all the same. Now, they have unusual human beings like that. And I pray that nobody listening to me, even if you're like that, after hearing this that I've said, you will not be like that after now in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm. But most people anyway, they will never do that. They will agree with you. If you say repeat something, they will repeat it. 
For that reason, God knows that that is not where their real conviction, their faith, that's not where it is. So when he wants to check, it is when you are talking with a friend, you're talking with your wife, you're talking with a brother, you are facing facts. Let's be real. That is when he listens attentively. So Malachi said, those that feared the Lord spoke often one to another and the Lord heard it. Those conversations are recorded by him. He pays attention to them. I'm talking about practicing your faith. I hope I get my point. Remember we're talking about that? All right? That's one area where you must be careful to practice your faith. I was in the service the other day. I noticed the way one, one brother did something. He's a pastor. He was introduced by a pastor senior to him. And the pastor said something like, ah, this man, respect him more. He built a church of, let's say, 2,000 seater capacity church. Ha-ha! Respect, you know? So he was supposed to come and do something. So he got there. He laughed. <laughs> he said, praise God. I didn't build the church. God gave it to us. He just dropped it very nicely. I noticed the way he was careful, trying not to show disrespect. But he re- refused to accept that glory. I just said, ah, who am I? <laughs> no, I, how can I? I couldn't have done that. It was God that just gave it to us. And we thank him for it. He just dropped it. Somebody gave him glory that did not belong to him. He said, I will not take. He wasn't praying. He was supposed to maybe come and take an announcement or do something in church. That is when you practice. I have realized something in my life. In fact, ah, God has been on my case for a long time. Since I was in secondary school, I remember things that happened when I was nine years old, ten years old, eleven, in which I bragged on my strength. I remember two now. One in secondary school, I think my, maybe from two thereabouts. One as a youth copper, NYC. I bragged on my strength, and God said, I won't take this. I remember them clearly. In case you do not know, I was in Form 2 in 1980. September 80 was when I entered what they call Form 2, GSS 2 now. So it's not yesterday, but I remember it to today. When I said God has been on my case for a long time, nobody's smarting. The number of them he's done to me, once, once, once I brag on my strength, no, he has always, I can remember, frustrated it. He will come after me, tooth and toenail, like they say. The one that happened already in YC. It was a trivial thing. Trivial. Then with my friend. You know, I played table tennis. That's one sport I grew up playing. All right? So when I was younger, I mean, I was quite good. In my secondary school, I think I, was, I wasn't top, top, top. You get my but I was confident. I mean, I could challenge. You know, guys, that's what we did when we were in junior secondary school. What they call GSS now. And even to the senior. So I carried that off and on like that. When we were doing NYC. In the officer's mess, I served in the military. You know, we had a table tennis, you know, set up. So we used to play. This, this friend of mine, he was very bad. You know, some people are good, some people are bad. This guy was horrible. So just, one day we were just talking about people who play. So I said that there's no chance in the middle you could ever beat me. I just went like that. I said, no, it's not a matter of prayer. Come, what are we talking about here? I mean, it's not table tennis. So the guy said, let us play. And he beat me well. <laughs> there was nothing I did not do to win. You know what happened? When we finished the game, we walked it. We never talked about it today. We just left it. <laughs> I learned my lesson. Tell you the truth. I, re- I remember it well. One of the things I teach my children, don't, br- don't brag on your strength. 
If God has plans for your life, uh, you just brag on frustration. I'm telling you. You say, ah, but how much? 2,000 naira. That's what I won't be able to give you. Abba. And you say, like, what is 2,000 naira? God said, no, Allah. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm marking you. Marking you. In the next three weeks, you will look for 2,000 naira. Your life will depend on it. You won't find Your life will depend on it. You won't find Everybody that you know that can wire to a sharp sharp, either will be unavailable or God will make sure they don't have. And if you get to that position, please, eh, don't try to the end. After the first three ones, quickly remember your sin. The Bible says that he's very, he's slow to anger. Eh? He's abundant in what? Loving kindness. God is very quick to change his mind in punishing people when they repent. One of the worst human beings who ever saw his name was Ahab. Ahab was of the lineage of Jeroboam in behavior. There are not too many people that are as bad as Jeroboam on this earth. Ahab was competing with him. One day God pronounced heavy judgment over the lineage of Ahab. Ahab said, cry. God told the prophet, look at how he has humbled himself before me. You know, God pulled judgment back again. That's what God be. Just say sorry, quick, quick. Not mockery, sorry. Let's tell him sorry, he will forgive and he will teach you a lesson. But it's sincere, that kind of thing. Say, Lord, please, this 2,000 naira, you won't kill person. You are the giver of money. Please, bring it. I promise, I will give you glory. I will shout from the rooftop. 2,000 naira, eh? He will now give you 10,000. Satan will now see. See, it's not the prayer. You had the money. That's what Satan will do. That's what happened to this guy. What's his name? Pharaoh. Once Moses stopped the thing, they came and told him, it's not Moses that stopped it. They hardened his heart. Please don't harden your heart. Too. Never brag on your strength. Then don't forget this thing. Never brag on your strength. It's one of the problems strong people have had in life. It's one problem. People who are skilled. That's why I wrote the book, Beyond Gifts and Talents. Everything has its own problems in life. If you were born very smart, very intelligent, little like, if you are not careful, you will never go far in life. Because you won't know how to trust God. Ah, primary one, you could count to, to 100. And then you get to, by the time you go to primary five, you were doing quadratic equation. GSS3, they had put you in the class for calculus. Thank you. You're the master of integral calculus in SS1. You know, I don't know whether you're ever in that group. When teacher is teaching in class, you're not there learning, you're checking. When secondary school at the time, too. Don't forget that. When I became a lecturer, I used to watch out for students like that. I had my way of handling them. Although they think that they know book. You have be looking at the city, so. When I first came to Enugu, some of them wanted to try me like that. They didn't know that God was on my side. Because I didn't know they were doing They would go and cram hard things in pathology and come to class. This young, this young um, what do you call it? lecturer that just came from Lagos. Let's show him Enugu, Enugu Mosque. I mean, I did not know. I just came to class normally. And I had a very funny habit. I didn't used to come with notes before this projector and all of that. Just come with my writing material. Just go, start, start, start talking. Just talk. Ah, they said, oh, go show this guy something strong. Holy Spirit said, thank you. They are planning for you. <laughs> I, I didn't know. I was about to go to class that day. I just opened my book. Home book on the table. Postgraduate book. Really advanced. I just opened it. 
Something caught my eyes. I sat down and read it. Didn't think anything of it. Dropped it. About 30 minutes later, I went to class to go and teach undergraduate students. I finished teaching. I still remember the guy's face and his name. Any questions? Yes, sir. Stood up. He asked one question that one hour before I could not have answered. So that small book I opened just before going to class. I didn't hear any voice, though. But it's after I realized there was Holy Spirit. Just said, read this. I read it. Close it. Don't worry. One evil soul is waiting for you in class. When the guy finished that day, in my heart, Lord, thank you. I went to the board. I drew like this. Drew like that. Gave a few points. Went around it. Hit the nail on the head. Do you understand? Yes, sir. My mind, come on back to my crib. This case is closed. <laughs> but it was God. I mean, how else do you know it was God? What else could it have been? I mean, that is that thing I found in an advanced textbook 30 minutes before the class. And it had nothing to do with my preparing for the lecture. And I said, God has been on my case for a long time. I'm not joking. The other day I sat down, I was just blessing God. That was last Monday, last week Monday. I said, God, you have always been in front of me. I was telling my wife about it later. I was just thanking him. I won't go into that because it takes me away from my message. Now, where am I going with that? You know, there are students like that, children like that. If you are not careful, they are the ones that don't make it in life. The ones that struggle and they learn early to believe God. The world will bow at their feet. Go and read your Bible. David did not make himself king. In fact, if you read it well, he was not even a strong man of war until he was anointed. All the valiant things, it was after he was anointed. I was reading the other day of the rebellion of Absalom. Absalom took the whole of Israel with him. David had to escape for his life. Then he humbled himself under the mighty hand of God. I don't want to start reading the scriptures now. He humbled himself under the mighty hand of God. How do you know? People were cursing him. His men said, let's kill this one. He said, why? If God told him to curse, let go ahead. Let him do that. He actually played a game there. He said, people like him are plenty in number. God will show us mercy quicker. Leave him. There was a spiritual principle there. Because God says, Solomon wrote it later, if God is afflicting your enemy, don't rejoice over it. Because if God sees it, he will change his mind. So David said, no, let him keep cursing us. Let him keep triumphing over our, our, our being down. God will see it and God will change his mind. Now I read about it, I realized that to restore David's time to go to war. Of course, the whole of Israel was with Absalom. What do we do? Joab and Co came, sir. Now, Joab, Joab was his cousin or nephew. David looked and said, what do we do now? There are massed some soldiers who are going to war. David said, I will go with you. You know what? They refused. They refused. They said, listen, all this we want to do is kill you. So what will your putting your life at risk do for us? So you are going to make our battle more complicated. Where am I going? That was how he was installed as king in the first place. People fought for him. They fought for him. He did. Look, they fought for him. People fought for David. God poured favor upon that fellow. So much that if he wanted to drink water, 
they will risk their lives to get the water. One day I thought about it. I said, why? It's just favor. That's what they call favor. Those men just fought for David. They fought for him. Over what? You're a small army. You are fighting the king of Israel who had command of the army of the whole nation over one young man that's running up and down. So one day when they kill him, your career is over. No career again. But he didn't care. That's how David became king. See, that's why in this life, don't even worry about your deficiencies. God said, don't worry. You know why I didn't give you the ability? I've given it to somebody else who come and use it for you. Leave that thing. God said, look, don't worry about it. Okay, you can't do this. People will do it for you. That's why in your life, struggle, do everything you have to do to get God's favor. Because when he puts favor upon you, <laughs> they tell me about one, one man the other day that there's a particular big manager, bank manager in Nigeria, bank MD, that he met the man that there's nothing he won't do for them, but the man has died now. That's the, the bank MD. They met the man, they were playing games, you know, like maybe we met somewhere, they're playing. So just the cost of playing, what do you do? Ah, this is what I do. Eh, okay, how's your business? Well, we're doing okay, but we want to expand. Make a long story short. This man sank. He gave this man any money he would ask for any time without collateral. He just for no reason trusted him. So the man says that ah, we need to buy machines and everything. The man says, How much is it? 500 million? No, no problem. He's the MD. He approves the loan. 500 million bucks. Why else do the guy? Our machine don't arrive. Raw materials. It's not like we thought it would be. We need like another 150 million. The man just says, no problem. Put in the papers. Approves the loan. Never offered collateral. The bank never asked for. Built the man's business until he was worth the billions. And never asked for collateral. One of the major problems that guy had in his life was that man died. <laughs> How can this kind of man? There are people that should be dying, not people like. <laughs> it's like what you need is favor. Let's get back to our message. I think I wanted to help somebody there. It's not me. The Holy Spirit wanted to help somebody. All right. So this is where I'm going. We can't brag in our own strength. Personally, I've learned that. Thing. I've learned to drop the name of God everywhere. I've learned it to drop it everywhere, everywhere. Never think anything good is coming from you. There is none good but God. Even if you are a generous giver, never think, ah, you know, we shall be give. You know, shall be give. Jesus said, there is none good but God. None. I've learned that thing. If I, if I mistakenly put strength in my own self, that have confidence in my own strength, when I remember, I know they take and play. As soon as I remember, I said, Lord, please, that thing I said was a slip of tongue. I'm sorry. You know, normally don't do like that. I don't know what I, maybe I drank yesterday in my dream, you know. Whatever. But Lord, please forgive me. Now, why did I go into all of this? I want to emphasize to us again that in the place of normal conversation, you practice your faith. So your friends say, ah, look at how fine you are looking. You also joking, they say, ah, oh, Chuku. Those of you who can't speak in tongues, what that means is, it's, it's the Lord. It's God. That's what it means. Say, well, ah, you're strong. You're able to do that. What can we say? By the grace of God, I am what I am. So him be the glory. Just drop it. 
What we want to do is that they want to collect this glory and then give God the trouble. Ah, no, 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 no. I don't do like that. I don't do like that. If it's eat the glory, you solve your own problems later. And you eat the glory, you solve your own problems later. So you ascribe all the greatness to him every single time as a matter of rule. is the rule of your life. And they say, ah, you will sleep well, though. Say, you know, we live in a peaceful neighborhood. Nonsense. When they say, you sleep well, ah, we thank God. His word became flesh. I thought about something some time ago. Let me not go because it takes me time to explain. I said, many of things we're experiencing, at least personally. I said, no, it's God that's bringing blessing. No? They hear things like, Enugu is very peaceful. Brethren, the peacefulness is not in Enugu. After all, our governor has prophesied. What did he prophesy? That's it. It's the hand of God that is peaceful. One of our brothers says it like this. He said, he said um, that safety is not the absence of danger. Safety is the presence of God. It's not the absence of danger. It is what? The presence of God. So Stonewall Jackson said, I'm as safe on the battlefield as I am in my bedroom, if I'm in the will of God. And Stonewall Jackson was known for not dodging. If you are shooting, he doesn't duck. He walks on normally like there's no problem. He was a general in the Confederate Army in the American Civil War. He, they said he walked as if there was no problem. They are firing cannons and firing, you know, their rifles. He walks on the battlefield as if there is no problem. When I heard Craig Blake talk about him, he said to him, because God's will was that the country did not divide. The Confederate Army wanted to cut away America because of slavery. They wanted to divide the country. Like many people are trying to divide the one we have right now. And you want to hear the word of the prophet? God said it will not divide. So better switch yours. I'm telling you the truth. But unfortunately for him, he was on the wrong side. And his word was what? If I am in the will of God. They say they've taken his clothes before and found bullet holes in them. None on him. The day God said it is enough. You know how he died? His own men accidentally shot him. The enemy couldn't get him. The person telling the story said, look, for him, they could not have lost that war if that man was alive. So God had to remove him. But so that the testimony would not... No, no. He, made, he was his own people that killed him by accident. So safety is not the absence of danger. What is safety? The presence of God. So when you want to tell stories, and that's why, listen to me, I need to say this again. Like I was talking to my wife the other day. <laughs> now I told you my wife is my disciple. I told, I told you before. Yeah. <laughs> Normally when I'm talking to her, I say, pay attention. So that day I was talking, she wasn't paying attention. Initially I thought, I want to say, okay, I don't know, she doesn't do like that anymore. I mean, I found out what she was doing. She was writing, taking notes. With a gist, she did write notes. She wrote the note. I found say, please, forward the note to me. Even me, I need to remember because I spoke, you know that time you speak under inspiration. You will know. If you're a preacher, you will know. That time you're just talking nonsense. But there are times you're talking. No, when you're talking nonsense, you want to know when you're talking nonsense? Two places men talk nonsense. 
football and politics. Once they are talking those two things, nine out of ten of times, they are talking rubbish. Ikabo, the Holy Spirit has left them. <laughs> Once these men gather talking football and politics, they are talking rubbish. No inspiration, nothing. Hear it, enjoy it, just don't, don't believe it. Whatever they say, don't believe it. Don't carry it to God in prayer. It's rubbish. But when we sit down in the place of prayer, we're sharing the word of God. There's an anointing that comes. So that day, grace came upon me. I was teaching heavily. And my wife recognized the grace before I did. So she said, right. The Lord is good. If you're a preacher, marry your disciple. I don't mean to come to church, come and marry church member. That's not what I mean, no. <laughs> what I mean is, marry person will believe what you they talk. Don't say, Pastor, Pastor Bank said that you should marry somebody from your church. That's not what I said. Choose. Was that what I said? What did I say? And what do I mean by that? Somebody who listens. Thank you. Anyway, let's get back. That's just an aside. All right? Now, so, there's something I said that we should bear it in mind. All right? When you want to, there are three levels of life. In fact, if you know it, it works in every aspect of life. There are three levels of life. There's the spirit, there's the soul, there's the body. Now, it ties with the realms of life, okay? There's the spiritual realm. Then there is the mental, the soulish, the planning realm. And then there's the activity, physical activity realm. What am I going to say? For example, you think there's, okay, Nigeria is an example. People say there's kidnapping, there's no kidnapping, there's this and all of that. God says, what do you want? Safety. Is that what you're looking for? So move to a place where there's no trouble. God says, no, you jump the first realm. You jump from the first to the third. You use a bit of the second and you just jump to the third. The first realm is what? Go and pray. Say, God, please help us. Deliver us, O Lord, from all these troubles. You are our deliverer. You are our high tower. You are our strength. Deliver us, O Lord. You pray like that for some time. Then God will now start inspiring what you are going to do. There are times you will say, okay, you are going to leave here and go, and he'll let you know where to go. Because people have run literally from fry pan to fire. One of our brothers, it was one island of Port Harcourt. So many of his colleagues ran away during the time of um, um, this uh, Niger Delta militancy, before amnesty. Because those boys were running rampage there. Then one day, of course, many of them ran away. You know where many ran to? Abuja. So after a while, amnesty was granted, others in the whole area, peace returned. But they were in Abuja. Then Madala bombing happened. Wham. What's the other bombing that happened? There was one market. Is it, is it New Year? There was one. Anyway, you know. Yeah. So the church bombing happened. Market happened. United Nations building happened. Can you remember? Uh, police um, headquarters bombing happened. They will say, hey, hey. We ran away from River State so we can have peace in the peaceful part of Nigeria, which is Abuja, the seat of government. No militants will come near there. No, no terrorists, no bandits, nothing. They settled there. Bomb started again. I know human beings are very foolish. If he's a Christian, you should learn your lesson. That now you won't sit. What do you do? Pray again. You know what they will do? They will pack their load and go abroad. God said, look at these people. Look at these people. They will not listen. Today I read in the news one young 
girl was that one young woman was arrested for killing her boyfriend. I read the guy the boyfriend's name, Nigerian boy. Just carrying a shoe can for him in the chest. I said, now wow. They are not poor people. In fact, his, his brother said he, she was not arrested on time because she's a rich white girl. A rich white woman. They live in one exclusive neighborhood. And then they quarreled. And this girl, I suppose she's a spoiled child, took a knife. At the time they called police or ambulance, they rushed him to hospital, he was dead. Two Nigerian students in Canada, they died, they are working as bouncers. One guy got angry, shot the two of them, killed both of them. Uh, don't you read the news? Uh, you, you read when it happened? This just a few weeks ago. Less than two months. Just took a gun. They were walking. Be like, hey man, you, you can't come in now, you know, that kind of thing. Where your ticket, stuff like that. The guy waiting they worry twelve. He just shot the two of them. Tell you. I didn't know. I thought it was only America that she called. No, no, they said no, after them. They are brothers next door. I didn't even know. So if you are looking for safety, that's the point I'm making. First go into the realm of the spirit first. Go and pray. God will lead you in what you are supposed to do. It's after intense prayer and you come to a position of conviction that you start making plans. That's the second level now. Then after that, you now take action. So why is where you are staying safe? It's not because I live in a safe neighborhood. Don't go and be paying twice the normal rent because the neighborhood is safe. You want a five-bedroom house here. The price is half of the one behind the fence, which is the only three-bedroom. He said, that one is safer because you look at this boy. One that happened in one part of Enugu some time ago, I don't know how many of you remember. It was a security man, an armed mobile policeman that killed everybody. Whether his head was touching him or on a mammon, then he called the police, his people, that they should send reinforcement. Yes, he did. So a detachment of policemen arrived. No? So where is the terrorist? One of the people that he shot that was not there shouted, Ah, he's the one. Those ones now arrested him. He had killed like five people. And he was supposed to be guarding them. Those people they deal with cash, they carry cash in that, in that place. So it's an office. So they had armed people guarding. What I won't I would what happened, I don't know. He shot the people, then called for reinforcement that terrorists have arrived. I'm not joking. He implied that terrorists have he called the head of the, the, the orgas that please oh terrorists are attacking this place. So they probably think they are unknown men, unknown government, you know. He gave the impression, you know, it was when unknown government thing was going on. He gave the impression that we were unknown gunmen. Unfortunately for him, to the glory of God. One of the people that he thought was dead was still alive. That was the person that shouted when the policeman arrived, Auga, arrest that mad one. It's one part of town, not too far from here. Nice, quiet neighborhood. You know, the kind of place you'll have driven past. And when you see the policemen, they're looking tough. You say, my God, safety is here. No, one of them was looking. Okay. <laughs> Please, I hope you're getting my point. So before you relocate to one expensive neighborhood that uh, 
That, that guy that founded Gokada, it was in an exclusive, you know, apartment complex that somebody owing him money beheaded him and took his head in a bag or something. No, cut his body to pieces and carried it away. It was CCTV that helped them to catch him. And it was in a very nice, you know, like, expect those kind of places where one apartment is a million dollars, stuff like that. That money. They're looking for safety. <laughs> Don't worry. You can't fence away the devil. You can't. The devil can be the one that built the fence. And the one monitoring the fence. You will have got so if you want safety. I'm talking about practicing our faith. It's a little thing like that. Say, this area is safe. Say, no. You talk. You use your mouth. Say, no. Safety is not the absence of danger. It is the presence of God. You know, God gave me one kind of body. I don't know where I got it from. When I first came to Enugu, <laughs> I said, Enugu, I don't know how many of you came to Enugu 20 years ago. Enugu was not safe. I know too many people, I'm counting in my head now, who were thrown inside the boot. They, those people were so useless. They would put even Reverend Father in the boot. Can't even respect somebody. One of my senior prophets said, she entered the boot, said they should shoot him. It's not, he said, it, when, they opened his own boot for him. He said, it's not going. They should shoot him. I think the boys now looked like this man. My guy that came to do exam, they robbed him. They robbed her when my, some of my guys were carrying her somewhere. And it wasn't easy that time now. One of my young junior colleagues I saw in the office one day. I saw his textbook. Ah, tears came out of my eyes. I saw the note he left for his wife from the boot of a car. He was writing in the dark. So he was giving instructions and apologizing. Maybe I'm very sorry. So we just, we're laughing that day, but it wasn't funny to me. He remembered his wife. He was writing, you know, writing, but it was dark. So just scribbling in the dark, opening pages, his textbook. Postgraduate medical person. He was scribbling, so he can't throw away the book after he survived. <laughs> so we're seeing all the notes. That's how Enugu was. And I said, most peaceful. <laughs> when I came here, it wasn't most peaceful. So I went to buy a car that time, what to call a V-boot. They say, arm robbers like it. I say, I like it too. That's what I said. Ah, in this town, arm robbers like V-boot. I say, I also like it. I said, that makes two of us. So let's, so if it's a matter of likeness, we now know that we are equal. Let's now know who God sent and who the devil sent. And I used to prophesy all the time. I said, I am sent by God. I said, they will die, I will live. That's how I used to drive around it. I still remember one day I stood, I went to see, in fact, I saw the man, when I went for this wedding, we went for last Saturday. Uh, okay, Tori Ren is not here, we went together. There's one man I greeted there. It was his shop I went to that day. I was waiting for him, I parked up my Ambrobers like car outside. And I saw this boy walking up. I didn't think anything of it until they had left. Well, old Nika was walking like this, his shirt was flying. Was walking like this on the road. And there was a car driving right behind him. A 505. There were some boys inside. He often came from that car. So he was walking kind of beside them. They were driving 
on the road. So he was, he was walking like this, walking towards where I was. My car was parked. I was the only one on that street. And I stood you know, just in front of the shop waiting for somebody. And he was walking towards me. Not joking. Saw his gun sticking out like this. As it was, I didn't think anything of it, though. But I think everybody was kind of quiet. Everywhere was suddenly quiet. I was walking. They were walking in my direction like this. Now, I wasn't thinking anything. The next thing I knew, so one of them just said, let's assume his name was, let's find me a name. Let's just call his name um, Jack. He said, Jack, Jack, come, 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 come. Jack, Jack. Then he ran back to them, entered the car, and the car zoomed off. Just shortly the next minute before they got to the where, where I was. And I didn't think it, it was after he, they left that the whole drama played in my head. That this boys were going to rob me. Correct the car that both of us like. <laughs> like that man said, only heaven knows what they saw. Why they shouted and called that boy and he ran to the car, he entered and he zoomed off till today. Of course, I don't know. It was after they left, I realized what just happened. That was when the bulge, you know, in his stomach, I realized it was his, the gun he was carrying that was covered by his shirt. I don't even know how I would have reacted if he had brought that gun. Now, what am I trying to say? So all this story that you know is peaceful. And we didn't come here because it was peaceful. We fought the troublemakers with prophecy. One of my colleagues, big guy like that guy weighs nothing less than 120 kg. They put him in the boot of a 190. Just went out of his house to go and buy something. I was in the office next morning when his neighbor came and said, we just want to tell us that this guy went out yesterday, he didn't return. That they don't know what happened. Before the end of the day, we heard the rest of the story. Make a long story short. It was NDLA that freed him. Those boys went and locked him up somewhere. Why, we don't know. It happened to be a night that NDLA said to raid that place that is a drug den. He just sat in the room where they locked him when he had commotion. So he peeped through the burglar proof, you know, and he saw that they were security men. So he shouted for help. They came to raid drug dealers. But then they now, so they, 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 they forced the door open, make a long story short. In that process, they caught most of the boys that took him that night. So those men just drove them down to the police station and the boys were crying. One of them was begging him to keep putting a good word for him. Because they knew what was going to happen. And it happened. Of course. So when you see that, most people sitting in the country now, leave that, you know. Jesus is the most peaceful person. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. Safety is of the Lord, though. This city they are talking about, and I say there's no trouble. Safety is of the Lord, though. Maybe the most peaceful leave that thing because the bullet never jam you. According to, according to Monica in, in touch by an angel, he said chance is irrelevant when it happens to you. It is only happens to one in a million. He said if, if you are that one, it is ten in ten. It's one million in one million. And we know a lot that has happened in this city. People's safety is of the Lord. That's why I'm telling you all these stories. 
I reasoned about over the last few days and I said, no, God, you actually have been good. I said, God, you actually have been good. You know, I said something the other day and God showed it to me that what I said was right. I said, it can be in the middle of rainy season and you won't have water. Do you know it happened to me? Yes, in our house. It was strange. You call all the tankers, they didn't have your time. Of course, you know the way it is with public water, it doesn't exist in most of the part of this city. And we are going to pray it into existence. In fact, from now on, Father God, we ask you for water all over this city. Pipe-born water all over this city. Amen. The old ones will begin to work again. Amen. New ones will be laid. Amen. We will expand water works all over this city. Amen. Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please, of grumbling against government. Pray for them like that. I saw a video today. I laughed. President Buhari, a few years ago, when they said, when, when they said, um, uh, constitutional conference, what was it called? That conference, what's the name of that conference we had? Anyway, there was this national conference when they, when they came into power, when they were telling him, what is he going to do? He said, he was speaking long grammar. Some were afforded that, you see? I said, don't you see him? I said, this is life. He said, the government spent seven billion. That what he remembered, is it seven or seventeen? That what he remembered that time was that ASU was on strike. That a responsible government would have negotiated with the university teachers and they asked some people, and then instead of calling a confab, they will have said to them, so that our children can go back to school. I laughed. I said, it's easy to criticize why you're not the one sitting on the hot chair. I said, now, you, you gave us a seven billion. Did they collect it from you? You gave them 20. Did they collect? Six months. This is the longest I've seen in my life. Have you? Has it ever been longer? The same man who was yapping before. Okay? You know, I know they abuse you. I pray for you all the time. I'm just trying to say that you can't yap anybody in power. You don't know what they are seeing. So I just imagine that Jonathan is in his house watching that video. He goes, they laugh. He goes, don't turn. It's your turn now. Solve the problem. <laughs> what am I going to say? People in power, don't bother criticizing them. Just pray for them. They have enough critics. They have enough. They, have, they don't need you. They have enough critics. I felt like going to carry that video and show the president myself. Oh, God, you said this that time. Say it again. So I'm not angry with you. I just want to pray for you. For you to know it is not within a man to direct his ways. I just want you to know. Now, what's the lesson in it for all of us? Pray for them. Do you know this water thing? I said it here the other day. I said, don't assume that there's water everywhere. Do you know? It happened in my house. It was almost unbelievable. Let me not give details now how we're getting water. They would think we live in the, in the forest. Anybody listen to this message from America won't believe it. What we need to get. You call tankers, they wouldn't come. Then finally, ah, you know it's rainy season. Should I tell you something that happened? Where the rain collector to, you know, you know the normal we do rain water. So I said, this thing, of course, you know that ge- uh, ge- geological shift that happened in Enugu two years ago that destroyed all, most of the wells. I don't know if you're in that part of town, if you know what happened. Most of the wells stopped pr- pr- uh, bringing good water. So I bring this black, cold, tainted water. So that was, I experienced it also. Tanka didn't answer me. Wells did not answer me. The water collecting system that we did. So one day I called my cousin and said, she won't come. What is going on? He finally climbed, when I was not around, he climbed to the top of the thing and found out some birds built a nest inside the collector. 
you know what I said? If you don't believe in evil spirits, better believe in them now. <laughs> Maybe it's not evil spirits. But I said, what are the chances? So we wonder what is going on. All this water was just flowing onto the ground. What I just remember was a message I preached here a few weeks beforehand. When I said, don't assume that you have water to drink because you're in the midst of abundant water. When you take a glass of water, still thank God for it. That's what it means to practice your faith. That's what I mean when I say you practice what? Your faith. Even if water is abundant, when you take that glass, don't just say, ah, those in Sahara, these are their supply and their suffering. We were in tropical rainforest. Water is easy to come by. There's no problem. If there's no water from the sky, we dig. If we pipe water, we'll not bring. We'll go do ground-born water. If it's speaking English, I say, don't worry. You will cry for water in the midst of abundant water you will not find. So that has reinforced for me again. If I say clean water, God of miracle, now my papa, oh. I give him thanks before I drink the water. Is the reason why, please, people of God, anytime you see food, don't jump into it and start eating. Take a few seconds and do what? Give thanks. Bow your head. Close your eyes and pray properly. Father, I want to thank you for supplying this food to me. Your name is El Shaddai. You're the Lord, my shepherd. You lead me through the pastures of abundance. Thank you in Jesus' name. Before you start eating. It's called what? Practicing your faith. Your faith must become what? A habit. You must make your faith a habit. It is when your faith is a habit that trusting God comes to you what? Naturally. So in the midst of trouble, you naturally call out to him. And it's not just shout of um, panic. It's really request for help. You know what I found out from experience over time? Faith, genuine faith, always gets the attention of God. And I have found out that if you really have that genuine faith, you know that spiritual things are real. And the word actually becomes flesh. I'm telling you. Let me share something with us briefly that I learned the other day. It's not part of this message. I don't want to drop it. Or no, let me leave it. What is it? It's not part of the message. You don't know what it is, so you won't know what you are missing. Don't worry, I'll share something. I'll share it later. Okay, no. Let me just share briefly. Just a bit of it, not the thing that the person said. You know, there's something I said before that even if you are going to work, all right? Don't see that work as a source of yourself. Yes. You know, I have found that to be really true. That you see, okay, this was the person said. I need to say it now. One of our sisters was sharing something. Very, very powerful. You know, the, Lazarus was at the gate of that um, rich man. Not Lazarus of Bethanyo. The one in the parable of Jesus Christ. Now, who went to heaven? Paradise now. Who went to heaven? Uh, Abraham's bosom. Who went to heaven? He went to heaven because he was poor, right? Poverty takes you to heaven. Okay, so we agree. He didn't go to heaven because he was poor. Good. 
Who went to Hades? Who went to hell? He went to hell because he was rich. So we agree. Wealth or poverty was not the reason they went to where they were going. Do you get my point? Now, now that we have agreed on that was my first time of seeing it from that perspective, actually. Even though I always knew that poverty does not take you to heaven, not that does wealth take you to hell. Because David was not poor, Abraham was not poor. There are so many people that were not poor, all right? Now, this is the point that our sister brought up that day. She said that Abraham, uh, sorry, Lazarus was a type of a Christian. And the rich man was a type of what? The unbeliever. So it's possible for the unbeliever to be wealthy. Doesn't mean he will go to heaven. I hope you're getting my point. Now, I said, but listen to this. So, being an unbeliever doesn't mean you can't be rich. True of us? You understand that? She now said something that what happened to Lazarus? Look from one perspective. When the Bible says that, what did he want? What did he want? The crumbs from that rich man's table. Essentially, food that they threw out. That's what he was asking for. And she said that the Holy Spirit told her, this is what Christians are doing today. They go to the rich, worldly system to beg for crumbs, which they call a salary. They are happy with it. That's all they desire. That Holy Spirit said, no. You can't be a beggar. Now, what is the opposite of being a beggar? Only one thing, being a giver. So every office you go to, never work like, what will I get out of here? It is, what can I give to them? She said something which is very true. You've heard me say something like that before, with other words. That two people can be working, doing the same business, and they are doing for two different reasons, on, for two different principles, on two different principles. She says exactly the same thing. That two people can be working in the same office. Listen to me, let me add words, summarize for what she said. One is a beggar, one is a giver. They are earning salaries in the same place. But one is a beggar. And life, listen to me, if you're a beggar, life will treat you like a beggar. Another person in the same office, he's working. But he's a giver. You want to hear the word of God? The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. And anybody that God loves, he gives to them. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. God loved the alien amongst you that he gave him food and clothing. A sign that God is showing you love is that he gives to you. And the Bible says he loves a cheerful giver. And he hit me and said, God, this is exactly what we have been saying. So, look, it's an instruction for you. Anywhere you are going to work next, make up your mind you are what? A giver. Now, it doesn't mean you are not collecting the salary. But your focus there is not salary. It is, I have come here to be a blessing. And really, if you assess your, place, your presence in a place, and you don't believe you are a blessing to them, find another job. Just say the Lord, Put me in a place where I can be a blessing to somebody. If you are starting your own business, that should also be your focus. If you are always looking for what business makes money, I was teaching a class the other day. I, 
Let me not go into details now. I said some things. I was shocked. My class captain said, how much money is it that does it make? You know, I've not heard such nonsense in a long time. I thought what I was teaching would impress a young person. I say, I was trying to suggest an area of postgraduate study that they could do. He said, how much money is in it? If you say that in kingdom of ministry, I won't let you climb these steps for one month. You have to go and do penance. You will wash cars. Thank you. You will trek around this artisan barefoot before we allow unclean people like you to come back upstairs. Why did I tell that story again? To let you know eh? that attitude you have in life will determine whether you will be great or small. What have I shared with us today? Listen, people of God. In our everyday conversations, let's practice our faith. In the way you use your money, practice your faith. I hope you're getting my point. In the way you walk, practice your faith. No, I'm not a, I'm not a beggar. I'm a giver. That is why you can't steal from your boss. I can't, I mean, do givers steal? His beggars that steal. That is why you're not working the, le- le- the smallest amount possible. How much are they paying me? No. Eh? They're not, that's their problem. I came to give to them. You know, I'd never seen that connection before. He said, no, Lazarus desired crumbs from an unbeliever who was rich. From a worldly system that has a lot of money. And how do you know he was a beggar? And what's the opposite of being a beggar? Being a giver. So go out in life and make sure that you're a giver. In everything you do. But let me end my own message here. So we can take some scriptures, declare them, and then we'll go. Remember, you practice your faith all the time. How do, what are we talking about here is in normal conversations. Like I said, security. Say, ah, this place is not safe. God is our safety. Just start with that. See, let me say something. Is it not hypocrisy? You are thinking one thing. You are saying another thing. Listen, if what you are saying is the word of God, it's not hypocrisy. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Let, let us assume you are one of the t- t- 12 spies. Your heart is afraid. These giants will kill us, but you're not going to stay with Caleb. Caleb and Joshua say, We are able. Your heart, nah, man, don't die. But we are able. Will God have been angry with you? Please, I prefer a hypocrite that's telling the truth than an honest person that is agreeing with God. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Hypocritically tell us the truth. So you're afraid. I'm not afraid. How can I be afraid? I'm not a child of God, but your heart, you are melting. doesn't matter. That is better. You're afraid? No. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It's better. Because the Bible tells us that your tongue can give your life direction. That's what we're saying. That's the point we're making. Yes, I agree that the best is to be convinced and then speak from a point of conviction. The next best is to be afraid, but repeat what God is saying. I hope you're getting my point. The worst is to be afraid and confess your fear. If you must confess your fear, it's to God alone. I hope you're getting my point. We say, God, please, can I see you? Lord, please, don't be angry with me, but I think I'm afraid. Can you just help me? Then it's a confession of sin. Then when you come out, are you afraid? I'm not afraid. Why? I, I, remember the story I told you once. I went and prayed. 
I said, God, please help me with this particular subject now in my third year in university. Anytime I read it, it disappear. The subject was called biochemistry. So I said, biochemistry is volatile. It was just in our class. Biochemistry is volatile. I went and prayed, God help me. And a number of instructions were clear. You know, Holy Spirit didn't have to tell me anything specially. I knew that's what the mind of the Spirit was. One, start reading it. And two, start, stop saying it is volatile. And as soon as I got to class that day, I sat down. I still remember the guy's name. I can still see his face. I can still see his stomach self because we live in the same hostel. He had one very black stomach, twice as black as his face. Normally, everybody's face is darker than... His own was the opposite. Just to let you know, it's somebody I know. He sat down, was doing the same soldier beside me. And he said, ha! This is is volatile. I turned to him. I was about to agree because he just said what we all know. But I turned to him. I said, biochemistry is not volatile. I said, biochemistry is not volatile. <laughs> Two times I said it, but it was not enough. I turned to him the third time. I said, biochemistry is not volatile. Ah! The guy, he literally said, uh-uh. Like, oh boy, what's going on? Is there any other thing? Can you explain what's going on here? He didn't know I just came back from praying. And I saw him as Satan that needed to be cast out. Get behind me, Satan. You want to undo the result of my prayer, which I prayed just a moment ago. What am I trying to say? Speak the word, even if you don't feel like it. Do you get my point? You are practicing your faith. Speak the word, even when you don't feel like it. And make your faith a habit. And the first habit is just normal discussion. Can you do this? The Lord being with me, we can do it. Whether you feel you can do it or you feel you can't do it. That should be your statement. You are a student. This subject is hard though. Say, but with God, we can overcome. You are a student. This subject looks very simple. You will still say the same thing. With God, I will overcome. Because simple subjects can hook you when a bad lecturer handles it. Your, the day of exam, just set one question for you like that. We declare your ignorance. And they will mark you so badly you'll get zero. I, I mean, one of our sisters told her own testimony. Brilliant young lady. Brilliant with the capital B. Then the R is also capital, I forgot. Brilliant. I had all her plans. The day of exam, computer-based test, her computer crashed. What didn't concern those with the remote side. No. The exam is two hours or whatever period. Her computer froze. There was nothing she couldn't do. Bam! Result came and she failed. That year, that was one of the most brilliant human beings in the nation. Failed the exam. They are just, I've seen people with, see, say if you go abroad, you go and do master's, you do PhD. I've seen people who go, went abroad, did master's, did PhD. Many, not one. One of our brothers told me that two of the uh, staff did like that, the children. They returned to be selling Dangote cement for their mother. With master's from Harvard. Yeah. The moment they do cement business, that was the only job they could find. Start with their mother selling cement. Came with, 
He's not your friend now. Ah, you know, you hear some of these stories. Some of the time I came back from abroad with this first year, second year, third year. When you see this degree, you'll be like, ah, company will be rushing this person for where? Sometimes they will look. I, I, one brother, he had got that first class or so in Nigeria in school. He's a vice chancellor now in this university. See the visit there. His brother I said that <laughs> the day he was leaving, he came to check on me in the room. We're friends. He saw I was sleeping, he left his money that was remaining, wrapped it, and left it. No, so boy, I don't go. Since you are still in school, use this one. I don't need it again. When he left, he went to look for work. The only reason the oil comes is not employ him, they say his degree was too good. They say, ah, boy, you they shine. No? So we don't want shiny people like you. He couldn't believe it. They said, no, now, look at your degree now. Look at the grade. It's high now. Say, if we employ now, train you now, another person will collect you. That's what all of them said, and none of them employed him. He took the lecturing job not because he wanted to be a teacher, but because with his brilliance, none this guy is an engineer, the kind of person all companies will have grabbed. None of them agreed. They said, I think he had a first class or something. They said, hey, this one, you won't stay with us. That was the excuse they all used. They interviewed him. They said he's too brilliant to stay. He's not somebody I don't know. He's a vice chancellor today. I can give you the name of the university where he's the vice chancellor. That's how he, he, he came back to academic because they were the only ones willing to take him. The other was telling me we were laughing about it. Are you serious? Say my brother and I said, I'm. See. Jesus said something. Without me, you can do how many things? Nothing. Without me, how many things can you do? Nothing. Without me, how many things can you do? Nothing. Nothing. Let's rest our feet so we can go home. Hmm. That's the message. Everybody, practice your faith. Let's just start this evening by just, just thanking the Lord that he's given us his, the knowledge of truth because the world becomes flesh. This truth you walk by, it will become flesh in your life. That's a matter of fact. Just give him thanks this evening. Say, Lord, I thank you for giving, showing me your truth, for teaching me your truth. Say, Lord, I thank you for teaching me your truth. Say, Lord, I thank you for teaching me your truth. Everybody, please open to Psalm 121. I want us to read it again. It's so important. Psalm 121, quickly. Are you there? Let's do that quickly so we can go home. I want us to start from verse 2 to verse 8. Let's try and use the same version if we can. From verse 2 to verse 8. If you are there, say amen. You want us to wait for you, say please. Okay, please switch to New American Standard if you have a digital Bible. Let's just do this together. All right, are you there now? All right, one to let's go from verse two. One to let's go. My help comes from the Lord. Now, can you wait for a moment? You're not just reading out loud. You are you read it out loud. I want to hear you read out loud. But as you are reading, I want it to be. It's a confession that your soul must hear. You no, know, you are saying to your soul. You are saying this to your soul. I hope you're getting my point. Now, one to let's go. My help comes from the Lord, 
who made heaven and earth. He will not allow my foot to slip. Again, sorry, let me interrupt it again. Let's personalize it from the beginning to the end. I hope you're getting my point. All right, let's start again. Verse 2. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow my foot to slip. He who keeps me will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will never slumber nor sleep. Verse 5. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my shade on my right hand. The sun will not smite me by day, nor the moon by night. Seven, the Lord will protect me from all evil. He will keep my soul. The Lord will guard my going out and my coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Now I say it again, the Lord is your keeper. Amen. No, I'm prophesying for you now. The Lord is your keeper. Amen. The Lord is your keeper. Amen. The Lord will send you help from above. Because, listen, people of God, vain is the help of man. No? The Lord will send you help from above. Amen. No matter where you are, you will have water. Amen. In the desert, you will have water. Amen. In the center of the Atlantic Ocean, you will have water. Amen. Water to drink. You know, ocean water is too salty to drink. But wherever you are, you will have water. Amen. God will guarantee your grain and your new wine. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I say it again, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. Amen. The sun will not smite you by day. Amen. Nor the moon by night. Amen. The Lord will protect you from all evil. Amen. He will watch over your soul. Amen. He will guard, protect, and keep your going out. Amen. And your coming in. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. His glory will be your defense. Amen. His angels will watch over you. Amen. No evil will befall you. Amen. And no plague will come near your dwelling. Amen. In the name of Jesus. See, wherever you are, safety is there. Amen. Remember, it's not the absence of danger. It's the presence of the Lord. Yes. Wherever you are, the presence of the Lord will be with you. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, quickly, let's open to some uh, Deuteronomy 33 again. We read it last time. Let's read it again. Deuteronomy chapter 33. After Moses finished blessing the people of Israel, he magnified God. Are you there? From verse 26, I want us to read it together. We're going to read it, and I will prophesy from it. One, two, let's go. There is none like the God of Jeshurun, who rides the heavens to your help, and to the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is a dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he drove out the enemy from before you, and he said, destroy. So Israel dwells in safety. And the fountain of Jacob secluded in a land of grain and new wine. His heavens also dropped down dew. Blessed are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, who is the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. So your enemies will cringe before you, and you will tread upon their high places. Now concerning you, I say, the Lord will ride the heavens to help you. He said, there is none like the God of Israel who rides the heavens to your help and through the skies in his, in his majesty. And I say to you, the eternal God is your dwelling place. Amen. And by his everlasting arms, he will carry you. Amen. He will drive out every enemy from before you. Amen. Destruction will overtake them. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So you will dwell in safety. Amen. Wherever you are, you will be secluded in a land of green and new wine. Amen. Your basic necessity will be supplied. All your basic necessities will be supplied. Amen. Every need of your life will be supplied. Amen. Everything you require will be supplied. Amen. 
And God will add abundance to you. He will add luxury to you. He will add comfort to you. In the name of Jesus Christ. I like this. He said, the heavens over you will drop down dew. You know what that means? You will have favor. Nobody has control of rain. That's the meaning of that. Favor will surround you in Jesus' name. Amen. The way God sent men to help David, you will be helped. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You will live in houses you did not build. Amen. Businesses bigger than you will be started and you will be put in charge. Amen. You know, he said, be in charge of ten cities. They were not there when he was conquering the cities. That will be your testimony in Jesus' name. Amen. I say it again, that will be your testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. He said, blessed are you, O Israel. Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord? The Lord is the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. And your enemies will cringe before you. And I say to you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you will tread upon their high places. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let's give the Lord thanks once again. Say, Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you because you are my healer. Thank you because you are my healer. I wanted to thank the Lord because he's a healer. Every disease, every disorder in your life is cured in the name of Jesus. It's very important. Declare it. Say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, you are my healer. You are my healer. You are my healer. Affliction is not my portion. Affliction is not my portion. Affliction is not my portion. Say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Based on this scripture, I declare all your diseases healed in the name of Jesus. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, you are healed in Jesus' name. I say you are healed in Jesus' name. Remember, the world becomes flesh. Your healing will become flesh. Your health will become flesh. Old age is not a disease. One major thing that kids people seek is excuses. That's how it is in our family. We are giving an excuse to Satan. Today again, we reject every excuse. Amen. Our major excuse is Jesus Christ. Amen. That's it. What is the excuse? He died on the cross for our sins. He died on the cross that we might be healed. So we have an excuse for health. Old age is not a disease. There's only one thing old age is allowed to do for you. And that's to do what? Make you what? It's allowed to do what? Make you wise. That's all. It's not allowed to make you sick. It's not allowed to make you diabetic. It's not allowed to make you hypertensive. It's not allowed to make you go blind. No, if you're not weaken your bones. For you, age is a blessing. Age is a blessing. By reason of age, you'll be wise. The Holy Spirit will breathe upon your experiences and make you wiser. But sickness, no. No. Everybody say no. No. Say it again. No. To sickness, we say? No. Age as an excuse for sickness, we say? No. Now we're going to say yes. All the promises of God are what? Yes. In Christ Jesus, they are what? Yes. Healing is what? Yes. Righteousness is what? Yes. Holiness is what? Yes. Walking above temptation is what? Yes. Grace is what? Yes. Grace is what? Yes. Success is what? Yes. Prosperity is what? Yes. Long life is what? Yes. They are all confirmed in the name of Jesus. Give him thanks this evening. Say, Lord, I thank you. Say, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you.